0: Well, good morning. My name is Matt. I have the privilege of sharing with you today. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we're going to be continuing in a series that uh, Doug started last week, which you can see on the screen. is called What Would Jesus Undo? What Would Jesus Undo? The whole idea behind this series is just really uh, that we want to address a handful of things that we feel like um, have a tendency to kind of creep into the way that we do things as a church, the way that we live as individuals, the way that we live as individual followers of Christ—we we really believe that there are a handful of different things that um, we have a tendency to kind of drift or to slide into that are not the way that God intends for us to live. And so we want to try to um, specifically talk about a couple of those things. Last week, Doug started the series by talking about spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference. And uh, he really was just talking about, you know, the, the times where we just kind of are apathetic and, and we have a tendency to... Um, slide to the place where we're a little indifferent about spiritual things, and how if Jesus was to look at us, those might be something that he would say, I'd like that to not be the case for you. Um, And so today we're going to move into uh, the title for week two is hollow worship, hollow worship. You know, I really believe that this is something that Um, not just our church, that churches in general, followers of Jesus in general, have a tendency to slide into. And I'll explain more about what I mean um, by hollow worship in just a second. But before I get to that, I have a question that I want you to consider for a moment. It's on the screen. Here's the question. It says, can you think of a situation where your passion, excitement, or joy faded over time? This is really like open-ended and all-encompassing. if you're like me, you can probably think of like 3,700 different examples of situations where your passion or your excitement or your joy faded over time. I want you to think about things like we, do, we all have these moments where, where we're really excited about something initially, and it, it just kind of fades. As we get it used to something, it kind of becomes less exciting. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was a job that you had been looking forward to and working toward for a long time, and, and hoping for, and you finally get hired, and it's like those first couple days and weeks, maybe even longer if you're lucky, but especially those first couple days and weeks are like, yeah, this is I, I've been working for this. I'm so excited. I'm going to do a great job. I'm going to learn everything that I can. I'm going to absorb everything. I don't care if they ask me to do more hours. Like I'm just excited to be here. Like you feel like it's a privilege to go to work. Whether you get a paycheck or not, it's like I. I just love this, and I'm excited about it, because this is what I've been hoping would happen in my life, but if you're like literally everybody else, um, at some point, some of that initial excitement fades, and, and you get to the point where it's like, I, I may still love my job, but I go through days where it's like, hey, I, I might roll in a couple minutes late, or knock off a couple minutes early or feel like, yeah, this is still fine, but maybe there's some ways that uh, it could be better or whatever. You have experienced all of these kinds of things. Maybe it's a relationship where you got into the relationship and you know that like that honeymoon phase at the beginning. I mean, even the fact that there's something called a honeymoon phase and we all know what I'm talking about when we say that. Like that's what I'm talking about here is that when you when you are uh, like starting a new relationship, there's all kinds of excitement and um, passion and joy. And, and like it doesn't matter if you ever sleep and it doesn't matter if you ever eat again. Like and it's just like it's all about here and now and in the moment and that person and it's like they complete me in every possible way but that doesn't last like if you're like literally every single one of us at some point you realize that you've just kind of drifted to the place where you may still love that person you may still be like engaged in the relationship but there's a certain level of um, habit and routine, and uh, it kind of becomes a little mundane um, on a lot of days. Maybe it's something else for you. What, what is it that you've experienced where your passion, excitement, or joy just faded over time? Really, I believe that this is true for all of us, that it's just like a human condition, that, that anything that we're excited about, anything that we have some passion toward, is going to naturally, like, drift toward routine and drift toward habit and drift toward being a little bit mundane. And so what I want to talk about today is not the fact that 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 happens in the first place, but what to do when it happens and what to do when we recognize that it happens. I really believe that this takes place in our faith frequently as well. I I don't know what kind of season you're in right now, but even last week, as Doug was sharing about spiritual indifference, he talked about being in a season and kind of coming out of a season of being like spiritually dry and just kind of sometimes going through the motions. And, and if I'm honest like that, I've had lots of seasons in my life that are like that. And when it comes to my faith, there are things like I, I will open scripture sometimes and, and kind of read to check the box off of the to-do list. But if I'm honest, like my heart was not really engaged. If I'm honest, sometimes I can get to the end of the page and realize I actually was just thinking about like my to-do list for today and wasn't really paying attention to anything that I just read. Like I don't know if I could tell you anything that I just read. And, and I think that we all do that from time to time. There are, d- there are days that I walk into this room, if I'm, if I'm honest, and I know that we are here as a community and we're here to... Um, worship together. We are here to open the Word together, and there are days that I walk in, and I may I may sing, I may participate, I may even raise my hand once in a while. But honestly, like if I was being really transparent, like my heart's not always there, and I'm not always like fully present in the moment, worshiping God. There are a lot of ways that I think that we drift toward going through the motions. And that we drift toward a place where our heart is just not engaged to the level that it once was. If you can like, identify with any of those things that I just shared, would you just give me like, a little bit of like a head nod? Like, yep, I feel you on that. Like, I've, I've been in those places before. Hollow worship. Before we get into much more, I want to just read to you... Um, from the book of Mark, um, chapter 7 in the New Testament. This is one of the four places in the New Testament where we kind of have the narrative um, of Jesus and his time here on earth. And so chapter 7, is it's not going to be on the screen, but you can follow it in your Bible if you want, or you can look on the Version app if you want. Um, chapter 7 just tells us about one of these encounters that Jesus has with Jesus. Um, some folks. This is a specific encounter where Jesus is speaking with some Pharisees and some religious leaders. Um, Here's what it says. Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 1. It says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, they were unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? So in those days, the the Jewish people, um, and especially the religious leaders of of, um, the Jewish people, had many customs and traditions and habits that they had kind of built into their daily routines. And this all kind of stemmed back to ancient Israel and the original um, law given to the people but they had kind of even taken it steps further past that. And so these these religious leaders are looking at Jesus and his disciples, and they are very used to practicing these habits and these rituals and these traditions um, in order to basically keep themselves in a place where they were spiritually acceptable to God. And they look at Jesus and his followers and notice something and notice none of your disciples seem to to go through the same habits and patterns and traditions and customs that we require of all the people. Like, why is it that you guys think you're special and don't have to follow the same traditions? And so this is what Jesus says in response to this question. He says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? He says, as it is written This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So Jesus, in in his response to this question, why do your disciples not seem to follow all the traditions that are customary for Jews? to follow. What, what's the deal, Jesus? Jesus responds by saying, well, he responds by quoting the prophet Isaiah, who hundreds of years prior to this um, had spoken of the people in, and their relationship, their worship of God, and says, um, and so Jesus quotes Isaiah and says, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain." He says they're, they're going through the motions, but their heart is not in it. So point number one, there's a couple blanks to fill out. It's just this, that God is not interested in people who worship with their lips, but whose hearts are far from him. God is not interested in people who worship with their lips, but whose hearts are far from him. See, this is not just an issue that ancient Israel dealt with, but obviously it was true then. It's not just an issue that in Jesus' day was dealt with. It's an, it's an issue that I, I think is just a human issue, that we have a tendency to, to put our focus on the wrong thing. We have a tendency to drift toward going through the motions and allowing our hearts to be disconnected. This is the same stuff that I was just talking about that happens with me here today, now, is that I have a tendency to drift toward a place where I'm going through the motions, I'm doing the right things, I'm doing the things that even in the eyes of the other folks here in our community would look like what I'm supposed to be doing. I recognize that there are times that my heart is far from that moment, that my heart is not engaged with where God wants me to be. God is not interested in people who worship with their lips but whose hearts are far from him. So what do we need to do? Number two is this, that we have to re-engage our hearts. Jesus says that this is a heart issue. You go back to Isaiah and it's a heart issue. I think if I'm honest, it's a heart issue for me today, and I think it's that I am not doing the work to keep my heart where my heart needs to be, to keep my heart engaged fully where it needs to be. We have to re-engage our hearts, and so what does this mean? What does it mean to re-engage our hearts? I think that the, one of the best ways that we re-engage our hearts is by remembering. By remembering who God is and remembering what God has done. I may use that phrase a number of times for the rest of today, But, but uh, so if you wanna write it down, you can, but we re-engage our hearts by remembering who God is, and what God has done. I was reading this, uh, my wife and I read like a marriage devotional together most days, and we were just reading, it was like last week, and one of the things he was talking about in this, in this devotional that we were reading together was how in um, a relationship or in a marriage that this same tendency creeps in frequently. And, and the kind of thing happens where... Um, you find yourselves one day all of a sudden kind of just going through the motions and and um, you may still love the other person. You may still be like present and and want the relationship to thrive and grow. But if you're honest, it just kind of most days are just the same as the day before. And most moments are kind of predictable because you've been doing the same habitual things for years and years and years. And it talked about how... To re-engage the heart, one of the most helpful things, it gave this like practical thing to do, and it said, just spend some time sitting with a, a pad of paper or whatever, and just, just try to remember what it was like when you first met. And try to remember what it was like when you first started dating. What were some of the things that attracted you to this person? You probably didn't get into this relationship thinking I hope one day everything just becomes really mundane. Like, there were probably things that really drew you to this other person. What were they? Like, go back in your memory and remind yourself what it was at the start. And then just tell each other about it. Like, take your list and take their list and share about it. It's just this interesting thing that I think that we just have this tendency to forget. I think that our hearts can become disengaged when we forget. This interesting thing happens in uh, all of the Old Testament as you're reading about the nation of Israel and and their ups and downs and and, uh, the things that take place with them over the course of a few thousand years. One of the things that I find interesting as I read through the Old Testament and, and the, the things that I think is worth paying attention to is that um, things change so quickly. And so you can be reading like on one page about how God is at work in the nation of Israel and is doing significant things like rescuing them from hundreds of years of slavery or just as an example. And then you flip the page, and it's like all the people just forgot about what God had done for them. You turn the page, and all of a sudden, the people of Israel are, are saying, like, God must not care about us anymore. He must not be present. He's not taking care of us. Let's just go back to slavery. Let's go back to Egypt, where at least like, we knew that there was going to be a meal the next day. And they start talking about worshiping other gods and thinking, like, maybe he's not who he said he was. And they just have this tendency to forget who God is and what God has done so, so quickly. And so um, Moses tells the people this in Deuteronomy chapter 4. He says this. He says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. It's interesting to me that that the leader of the people would feel like he has to tell the people not to forget what God has done. Yet I think in our spiritual lives, so often the drift starts to happen, our hearts start to become disengaged when we start to forget who God is and what God has done. And it's that time when our heart becomes disengaged that our worship starts to lack substance. That our worship starts to become routine and mundane and habitual. Be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Second Peter, um, in the New Testament, Peter has a similar thing that he has to share. He says, so I will always remind you of these things, talking about just the goodness of God, what God has done. I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, you know them in your head, and you're firmly established in the truth that you have, but I think it's right to refresh your memory. I think sometimes we know in our heads, we know the things, but when we forget what God has done, when we forget who God is, our hearts start to disengage. And our worship can become hollow. What do we need to do about it? We need to remember. We need to work hard to remember who God is and what God has done. Point number three is this we need to do whatever it takes. We need to do whatever it takes. And so when we start remembering, when we start the process of remembering who God is and what God has done, worship should be our response to those things. Our worship of God should be our response to who God is and to what God has done. And when we are paying attention to those things, when we are remembering those things, it's important that we act as a response, that we do whatever it takes to re-engage our heart. There's this other encounter that Jesus has with someone in uh, Luke chapter seven. And in Luke chapter seven, Jesus is invited to the home of a religious leader, for a meal, and we, we read about Jesus being in this home, eating a meal, and there's a woman that comes in, and, and the scripture says that she specifically is a, like a known sinner in the community, and she comes into this home, it says that she brings with her this uh, container of expensive oil or perfume or ointment, and that as Jesus is sitting here in, the, in this setting with community leaders, religious leaders, this woman who is kind of a known sinner walks into the room and she brings her expensive perfume and says that she just starts weeping. She says she approaches Jesus and, and lets her tears fall on his feet. And she takes her hair and begins to wipe kind of the muddy mess off of his feet and she does this and then she takes this expensive perfume and, and pours it on him and... and I just think about this sometimes when, when I read that I kind of wonder like I wonder which I would be more likely to, to be like like which response would be more likely mine after this woman does this stuff, the, the host of kind of this meal, the religious leader, says, how can you let her do this? Don't you know, like, who she is? Don't you know that she's a sinner? And I kind of wonder sometimes, like, who am I more like? When I'm confronted with who Jesus is and what he's done... Am I the one that's more likely to kind of stand in the back and keep my arms crossed? Kind of maybe still go through the motions? Or am I the one who would be willing to do whatever it takes to approach Jesus, to respond to who he is and what he's done without care or consideration for what anyone else thinks about me? Without care or consideration for. What else is happening in the moment? See, I think sometimes our worship becomes hollow because we just forget who God is and what God has done. I think if we were able to effectively remember who he is and what he's done for us, it would be hard not to be like this woman. It would be hard not to pour out everything we have in gratitude and thanks to worship our God, and that would not be hollow worship. Worship is our response to who God is and what He's done, and we need to do whatever it takes to reengage our hearts and get back to that place. I just kind of want to ask this. What what would it look like, even just today, if we took a, a few minutes here and now in this place and just tried to remember for a moment who God is and what He's done for us? Would you take a moment and just close your eyes wherever you're at? Who is God? And what has he done for you? Would you take a moment just to kind of think back to what was it that drew you to Jesus in the first place? What was it like at the beginning when you first started to wrap your mind around the fact that he was going to love you and forgive you? Who is Jesus and what has he done for you? I think it's important for us just to dwell in that for a second and just to be reminded of God's goodness and his grace and his love, to remember who he is and to remember what he's done. Go ahead and open your eyes. Who is our God? God is our rock and our redeemer. God is our deliverer and our defense. God is our strength and our shield and our salvation. Who is God? God is the bread of life and the living water. He's a good shepherd that's not willing to let any of his sheep remain lost. Who is God? He's the light of the world. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Lion of Judah. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is ever-present. He is the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning and the end. And He is the God of the universe. He is the God of the universe who loves you you specifically, who loves you with a grace and a forgiveness that is beyond all that we can comprehend. We need to remember who God is and what God has done. What is it that God has done? What has He rescued you from? What might your life look like today if not for Jesus? What might your future look like if not for Him? I'm going to ask you to do something here just in this moment that may be uncomfortable for just a split second, but this is part of us remembering who God is and what God has done. If you feel like at some point in your past, if you feel like God stepped in and intervened and changed your marriage, maybe brought it back from life support, that God brought healing in a way that is unexplainable except for that it came from him, would you just stand up where you're at? See, this is how we remember who God is and what God has done, is by looking around and being reminded of the mighty God that we serve. If you feel like your life at some point in the past was in the bondage of addiction, but because of Jesus, because of Jesus, you can sit here and say, I'm free, would you stand up? See, this is how we remember who God is and what God has done so that we can respond to him with hearts that are engaged. If you feel like you were ever like physically healed from something and there was no explanation other than that Jesus was caring for you and that Jesus... Brought healing to your life and to your body, would you stand up? If you've gone through incredible pain, but you can look back now and recognize and know that the way that you got through that unthinkable thing, the way that you've experienced some healing today, was because Jesus stepped in and and walked through it with you would you stand up if you feel like Jesus provided something for you exactly what you needed at exactly the right time would you stand up Maybe you're in the middle of incredible pain right now. And even in the middle of that, you can say, I have sensed the presence of God walking with me. And I know that's the only reason I've been able to put one foot in front of the other. When you look around this room, this is how we remember who God is and what he's done. We serve a good God who deserves, He deserves our hearts and He deserves for us to not to just go through the motions. He deserves for us to not settle for something that's mundane and habitual. He deserves for us to give everything, to respond to Him because of who He is and what He's done. Because he's holy, and just, and worthy of our praise, and worthy of our hearts. He is good. I just want you to join me. We're going we're gonna to pray together here, and then we're going to have a moment to just respond and sing together as well. Up on the screen here, here is a prayer this morning. Would you just read that for a moment, and then we'll pray together. If you feel ready to pray this prayer, would you just join me right now? God, you are my rock when I'm broken, my way when I'm lost, and my light on the darkest day. You are worth far more than every ounce of my worship and every form of praise. Thank you for being who you are and for the things you've done for me. Help me to always remember your goodness and faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing together right now, and I'm just, whatever you need to do, if you need to. stand there and lift your voice if you need to raise your hands, if you need to fall on your face, if you need to sit back down and have a moment of quiet reflection. Would you just let your heart and your mind and your strength and your soul all come together in this moment right now to worship God because of who He is and what He's done for us?
1: running after it's running after me with my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything your goodness is running after keeps running after me it's all my life have been faithful And all my life You have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I'm gonna sing Of the goodness of God I'm gonna sing You have been faithful It's all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I'm gonna sing Of the goodness of God Yes, I'm gonna sing so kind. Let's sing one more time, All my life you've been faithful. It's all my life you have been faithful It's all my life you have been so so good with every breath that i am able oh i'm gonna sing of the goodness of god i'm gonna sing of the goodness
0: See this, when, they, when you look around and see people standing up and, and some of the reasons why each of you stood up, like this is, this is how we remember together. I don't think it was an accident that, that we're told in Scripture to remember, that Moses says, be careful that you don't forget the things that you've seen and the things that have happened. Because as we remember who God is and what God has done, it knits our hearts to his in a way that that nothing else can. He's a God that is good and that is faithful and that is just. And that is filled with love and forgiveness and grace and hope for you and for me. And it is a privilege to be reminded of God's goodness through your lives this morning. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you continue to do. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your faithfulness. God, would you help us to remain in a place where our hearts are engaged, where we don't have any choice but to respond to what you've done by falling on our knees, telling you how grateful we are and how thankful we are to be a part of your family and to receive the good things that you have to offer us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Just like every Sunday, if you have something that you'd like to... to. Um, come and pray about. We have a prayer team that's over here to the right of the stage. They would love to spend a moment or two with you this morning before you leave, just praying for you and, and some of the things that you might be facing. Um, please feel free to do that. Everyone else, I just, I appreciate your um, participation this morning. I appreciate your willingness to stand up and say, we serve a good God, and I'm proof of that. That encourages me, and I know it encourages other people in this room too, so thank you for that. Have a great week.